You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, uh, it uh, looked pretty dicey for a little while there, but the Islanders uh, started their playoff series with the Caps with a 4-2 win today. I think they're up one nothing in the series. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty eventful game uh, for a lot of reasons, whether you just took the penalties, the goals, the other extracurricular weirdness uh it was it was a roller coaster of emotions put that way but uh islanders came out on top yeah it was uh it was like both teams really wanted to make sure that the viewers know this was a this was a playoff game this was for real like right off the top and and it never really never really uh subsided from that and you we we both talked about it i uh basically anybody who you had a conversation with or i had a conversation with i'm sure about how we felt in the series basically the key was Number one, Butchie's three keys to the game. Number one, don't take penalties. And then all of a sudden, like the Islanders of you know, after two two or three minutes, we're like on pace for, you know, thirty penalties in the game and uh they still survived. So I think I mean that's such a good sign because if they're gonna win a game where the Capitals have seven power plays, I think they finish with, right? If if they're gonna win that game, that really bodes well for them going forward. Obviously anything can happen, but uh, if you if they win the game where the, the the Capitals go two for seven or whatever they did on the power play, um, the Islanders are in this thing and and um, now are now are favored to win to win the best of seven. Yeah, the it is funny how I thought to myself that 
you know, weren't we just saying don't do anything stupid? <laughs> like that was the whole thing from last episode. And here we go. The first period. Now, in fairness, you know, you can't always decide, you know, you don't always know when the refs are going to call a tight game. And they did. And and it just seemed like every tiny little infraction was a thing. And yeah, the Islanders had to kill off seven power plays. They They killed off five of them. The Caps did go two for seven. We'll talk more about those goals in a little bit. Uh, and, you know, they came at some inopportune times. Leo Komarov, I think, took two of them, right? Um, some of them were retaliation, retaliation for Anders Lee, who got into like two fights in the first period, which was something uh, really interesting you don't expect to see. But, uh, you know, it's just funny how sometimes the game goes a certain way that you don't expect it to. And and right from the jump, there were a million penalties. Um, the Islanders finished the first period with two shots on goal. The Caps had seven, mainly because they were on the power play most of the time. But, you know, they had like four power plays in that period. And to only have seven shots is <laughs> not too bad work for the Islanders' penalty killers. Um, the score was one was 0-0 at that point, And it was like, wow, I can't believe they survived that. Uh, second period, another power play. TJ Oshie gets the goal this time. Kind of a weird bounce. The puck bounced off of Andy Green's foot behind the net. I don't know what Varlamov thought was going to happen, but it ended up going behind the net, bouncing basically right to Oshie, who was standing right there, and he dumped it into an open net. Yeah, and that was after two failed clears by, yeah, by Uncle yeah, Leo. Yeah, not good. Yeah, he did not um, cover himself in glory today. No. Uh, and then a couple of a couple of minutes later, another Oshie goal made it two nothing. And I'll be honest, like at that point, I, I thought the game was over. Like I was like, this team has been very disjointed. They just haven't looked right. They've been killing penalties all friggin day. So Matt Barzell had like three minutes of playing time at that point. Like it was, I think he finished with like a minute and a half of playing time in the first period. Like it was nothing. And I'm like, this is just not not their day. And uh, Jordan Eberle took a really weird sort of offensive zone penalty. Um, but then he redeemed himself by scoring a goal late in the second period. I was like, all right, well, now it's 2-1. Things can happen. And boy, did they. Anders Lee, uh, we're going to talk a lot about more, a lot more about him in a little bit. Uh, he, within the first minute of the third period, tied the game. And then uh, the Islanders, guess again, were killing a penalty when Josh Bailey scored a shorthanded goal that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen Uh Braden Holpe did not have a great game today. He seemed very careless with the puck, which is very unusual for him. But uh, he made a save and he kind of gave it away to somebody who gave it away to uh, I, I forget who um, Nelson. Who just yeah. had, who he was like, Nelson, right? Yeah, yeah you're like, right. Fl- some, I think it was Nelson. Even was the one who flipped it into the zone. And when he did that, I was like, "This is going to be really awkward" because it's like there was just enough space that uh, he timed it right. The the flip, the 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 chip in that that there was like enough space and time for Holpe to have to think about whether he's going to play it or not. And Ovechkin definitely thought he was going to you know, I uh, freeze the puck and take the face off. And then hope he tried to play it. And, and he played it right to Nelson who found Bailey, yeah. who who, who yeah. did what he, who, you know, Bailey just does what he does is uh, he never, uh, you know, yeah. he's the best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey ended up being the number one star. He had a goal and an assist. I didn't think he was having a good game at that point at all. And then all of a but sudden, he ended up, like he just, yeah. you're right. Like it, n- n- really nobody was. Uh, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden, except for Varlamov. And then all of a sudden that goal scored. And, and I, I, started watching like Bailey's everywhere. Like what this guy yeah. is just all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that made it three, two. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. And then a couple of minutes after that, Anthony Bouvillier, uh made it four, two on a beautiful passing play between Bailey and Matt Barzell. And again, just opened up like a ton of space on one side of the net and, and hope he wasn't there again. He was a little bit, looked a little bit careless there. And, uh, 
It was a 4-2 win. The Islanders closed them out. The Caps really didn't have much of anything after that. Uh, it was a capital that ended up taking a less penalty of the game. It was our old friend Tom Wilson who watched the end of the game from the penalty box because he tripped somebody after the refs missed a very obvious hooking call on J.G. Pajot, who had a basically open look at an empty net. Um, and so all the, what, what basically all of this amounts to a 4-2 Islanders win. Uh, at 5-on-5, five five, uh, the Islanders essentially dominated the Caps. I'm looking at our friend Kerry Haber's tweet right now. They had 60% of the attempts. They had 78 or 77.47% uh, of the high danger chances, and they had 68% of the expected goals. That is domination at five on five, that you can't write that stuff. If you look at the the heat map here, there's a huge couple of huge blobs right in the slot where the Islanders took their shots, and then there's like three little tiny dots <laughs> in front of the Caps uh, net slot where the Caps took their shots from. And so it's, you know, at... At even strength, the Islanders just owned the Caps. It was crazy. The problem where they got the place where they got the, into the problems was on the penalty kill, and even then, they still killed off five of those power plays, uh, and you know did I think all things considered a pretty good job. Again, one of those goals was just kind of a fluky, weird bounce, and then the other one just sort of happened. But um, you know, it, it was uh, getting that first win is obviously a huge, a huge thing. Getting um, you know killing those power plays is another huge thing. And so the importance of this win cannot be understated. That being said, or overstated, I should say that being said, I don't expect game two to be an easy run of things. And I don't expect really the Islanders to do the same exact thing, but if they can keep up this, this pace at five on five, much like they had with the Panthers, I mean, this team could potentially do a lot of damage. Like these are numbers that aren't normally associated with the Islanders at five on five, but they're just really good right now. It's crazy. Yeah. We, we kind of knew like this is this series, like the Islanders, they're not more talented than Washington. And, um, but they, they could be a better unit. Like, and, and especially at five on five, that kind of bears fruit. I was worried that, um, this was going to become one of those, like the capitals are the type of team where they have, they have a couple guys, uh, that can win the game on their own. The Islanders really don't. Matt Parcell maybe is the only one, uh, outside of the goalie, so the Capitals have you know six or seven of them, and I was like, all right, well, TJ Oshie is, is might win this game for the Capitals on his own, mm. um, in addition to the, uh, the Islanders' own stupidity with the with the penalties. But when uh, Everly scored that goal, like it it, it was really strange because I did not see them. I didn't see a path back for the Islanders because like the way that the game was being called, especially. And the the fact that it was such a the Islanders were since they were shorthanded so often were not able to to, to kind of establish their five on five game and then all of a sudden that goal goes in and it was they didn't really it it just changed it just changed the complexion of everything like like you said Holpe was very shaky um, he needed Oshie to make a save for for him on another yeah. goal like like that's there was there was just there was all of a sudden a door wide open for the Islanders to kind of waltz in and and steal the game and it wasn't even like they stole it because if it, yeah. they, they were the better team when all things were equal, it was just that when things weren't equal, they were kind of not equal towards in the capitals favor, um, which, <laughs> which was strange. I mean, the, the, we, we say it all the time for, for I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like there were some really dumb penalties by the Islanders and uh, there were a couple, <laughs> there were a couple that you just like shake your head at. And, but there, there were some, I think it was at the 25 seconds left in the second period, Brock Nelson got mauled in front of the net, like away from the play and nobody called it. Like you're just like, what, yeah. you know, that play was 
half of that play was called, you know, two seconds ago on Eberly or whoever. Uh, so you just want consistency from the refs and, and it wasn't really there. And, um, you know, that's just par for the course in the NHL. Like you just, these are human being refs. You're going to make mistakes. You hope that the mistakes are even on either side. I don't think they were. And that's what I was saying in the beginning of the show is the fact that the Islanders won this game, kind of like they won that game one against the Panthers. And that was the game where Bobrovsky looked like he was really on point. He could have stolen that game if the Islanders, um, you know, didn't, weren't able to squeeze a couple past him. And the fact that they won that game against the Panthers, they won the game where Bobrovsky was really on form. Uh, was a huge sign for them, a huge plus. And I think that's the same thing here. Like the Capitals need to win the games when they're given power play opportunities like this. And and the Islanders were able still to take it. And uh, it was, you know, as, as like I was saying about Oshi, like it was almost like Oshi was going to win this game on his own. Then all of a sudden, like the Islanders wrestled control back and there was moments of magic, like you'd expect to see from the Ovechkins and Oshis and Kuznetsovs of the world from Josh Bailey. Brock Nelson and and like their moments are a little different because we're now trained to kind of notice the little things like that Brock Nelson chip I was just like that was a very deft touch that he took to get that puck in deep uh in like and maybe it was a coincidence that he did it but just like the timing of that chip to Holtby was perfect and then the play by Bailey to get the puck to Beauvillier on that on that goal was was so just I mean I, I might be this might be hyperbolic but there is like maybe 10 players in the NHL that make that pass. Cause J- Josh Bailey's sense, uh, it's just his hockey sense is like off the charts knowing that, you know, I'm not just going to try to stuff this one right back in. Like I, I, he got his own rebound and, and pass it to, uh, to Tito who was over on, uh, to in a better position than him. Like there's just not that many players that are thinking that play through to that level. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying Josh Bailey is like, you know, I, I joke around a lot just because of like his reputation among, uh, Islander fans, but he's he he's not he's not an elite player by any means. We say it all the time as a joke, but he he is in those situations like he's makes the right decision ten out of ten times, and that time it ended up in the back of his net. So like there were these little moments of skill and and magic from the Islanders that you'd expect to be on the other side, and you you brought him up before um, just kind of in passing, but like same same on the defensive zone, like the, the defensive side of things was was great, like you. I can't remember. Devontae has made a couple if he plays early in the game. But after that, like I didn't notice really anything, um, anything bad from any of the defensemen. I think the best way to to just Andy Green is just so non he's just not fussy. He's just not fussy. You trust him with your life. And uh, all these guys are just playing such simple, effective games uh right now in the back. And it was just the third because they weren't allowed to play an Islander style for the first forty minutes. The fact that the Islanders played such an Islander style in the, the last 20 and it, and you showed how how much of a gap between these two teams there could be when the Islanders are going like that is just it's really, really it boosts it just boosts my confidence in the series, uh, which I was frighteningly confident going into this game, too. So <laughs> it's uh, that see, that's exactly why I was unconfident because too many people were confident that the Islanders were going to win. And I even tweeted as much this morning with my favorite Star Wars gif of I have a very bad feeling about this. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it, too, because I think that's what what bothered me the most about the first 20 minutes. And I said that to myself, too, was that like this is not Islanders hockey. Like even even at the time, I thought to myself, even if they come back and win this, I don't think Barry Trotz is going to be too happy with how they played. The third period was way more of an Islanders style period because the Caps really didn't really have very much going on at all. I, I believe Leo Komarov took a penalty, but again, they they you know they came back. That was the one where they scored on. Actually. Right. Yeah. You so just 
you're just yeah. i was watching that and i'm just like this th- there's one person that right now is going to ruin this game <laughs> and he's wearing, yeah. he's wearing full, full shield and it's not simeon verlamov so yeah oh, uh trots was asked about him in the in the post game and i forget what he said but he was like you know leo plays a that playoff style game and i was like mm, that's not really accounting for him spending half the game in the penalty box but whatever um but uh yeah you know it it like i think you're right like you know the fact that they came back and and won this despite the very very shaky beginning and it is weird that they would start that shakily now in fairness to the islanders they had they were going to be the second the first game of the day in uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto but because the Lightning and Blue Jackets game last night went to five overtimes the Bruins and Hurricanes game that was supposed to follow it got bumped to 11 o'clock this morning that game got went into double overtime and fortunately half as long and thanks to Patrice Bergeron and so the Islanders and Caps got started an hour late and so I was kind of I joked at the end of that period that like it looked like two teams that were hanging around for an extra hour while the assholes and you know playing on the ice wouldn't wouldn't get off and just let them play already so uh maybe there was a little bit of that but um I watched uh Barzell's and Lee's um post game thing too and barzell said you know we're going to celebrate and then we're going to enjoy it and then tomorrow we're right back to work and it's a zero zero uh series again so you hope that that mentality sticks you hope that they come out because the caps are going to be fired up not only did they lose the opening game which is not something you want to do in the playoffs but they're going to be even more pissed off because uh right in the very beginning probably about three two three minutes into the game uh, an incident happened between anders lee and nick backstrom backstrom they had entered the Islanders zone, passed the puck, was looking at the puck. And he turns around and boom, there's Anders Lee. And Anders kind of puts his shoulder into Backstrom's chest. Backstrom hits the ice and he was removed from the ice and he didn't play for the rest of the game. Obviously a huge, huge, huge problem for the Capitals to lose their second best player. And I'm a huge Nick Backstrom fan. Like I, I this guy's great. He's probably one of the more underrated players in the NHL right now. Um, and nobody wants to see him get hurt, but this is the kind of play that sort of happens. I know hockey play is an overused word, overused term. Trotz used it. It's used derisively a lot of times. But for real, though, like the guy passed the puck and he turned around and there was Anders Lee. And the fact that Lee, first of all, is a, is a monstrous human being. <laughs> he wasn't like seeking. Maybe he was looking to hit Backstrom, but he definitely pulled up uh, when that hit happened because there was no extra kind of like force and nobody was like knocked over i mean obviously backstrom was knocked over but um the caps didn't like it um he fought john carlson right afterwards did lee later on he fought tom wilson uh he actually served a penalty got called for interference and so you know that's 10 12 minutes then that this guy spent in the penalty box the islanders first line left wing because of this hit and even Trot said, you know, that that should be it. it. Should That should be the end of the story. Well, the Caps don't feel that way. Coach Todd Reardon called it a predatory hit, which, to be quite blunt, is delusional for a team that that employs Tom Wilson, a guy who is been making has been making predatory had been making predatory hits for the better part of his career until his supposed change of heart, I guess, a couple of years ago. And if you want to see a predatory hit, you got to go back and watch the Tom Wilson on Lubo Visnovsky hit from the playoffs a couple of years ago that ended Lubo's career. Like that's a predatory hit. This is a hit that's unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I don't think Lee was trying to hurt anybody. Uh, he just kind of, you know, Backstrom kind of ran into a guy who was right there and uh, it may have got hurt. Now, I think Baxter will probably be back in, in game two, but we'll have to see. But, you know, the Caps are going to have quite a bit of motivation coming into game two. And, and I really hope that the Islanders do 
are ready for it because, you know, again, first of all, you got to stay out of the box. So that's number one. They can help themselves that way, but they're going to have to be ready to match the cap's intensity because they're not going to be happy with how game one turned out and uh, are going to want to even the series uh, in a serious way. So that game, by the way, is Friday at eight, uh, a normal time <laughs> for a hockey game. Uh, so uh, hopefully the game before it doesn't go into like quintuple overtime. Yeah. The, uh, I, I thought the hit was dealt with correctly, right? It was, it was late, I guess. It was away, a little away from the play, but uh, it wasn't. We've seen so much worse go unpunished, like without penalties, even in in the league. So uh, I thought, you know, it was a penalty. Then he fought, had to fight twice. It, it, yeah, I thought the funny thing was so John Carlson steps up. He does, you know, the the hockey teammate thing and and says, "All right, like that's like you said, Nick Backstrom is the type of player that." the rest of the team will always try to protect because he's, he's much more silk than he is snarl. And like, he just goes after him. They, they start doing their thing. They wrestle. And then <laughs> even mm. Tom Wilson yeah. was like, well, I got it. I'm, that's my job. Like, I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with that. And, uh, you know, two minutes later, Lee was fighting another person. So I just, I think like every, it, it, every ch- like tick that needed to be ticked after that hit was ticked. Like it was like, there was, a, there was nothing left over. Um, there was also that play from Ovechkin where he kind of two hand slashed Matt Martin uh, and then Martin yeah. retaliated. Like there, there was, it's a got call for a penalty for that too. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was, uh, it, I think if you put yourself in, in the other person's shoes, like Islander fans would probably be doing the same thing that Todd Reardon's doing, uh, which is trying to get in the ref's heads. But the fact of the matter was that the refs were, you know, they, they tilted the ice to the Capitals uh, already enough in that game where, that it, it, you know, it shouldn't, it really shouldn't have been a, a big deal. Um, and I, I'd be shocked if, uh, if anything more comes of it um, from, from the league. I mean, I'm sure that it will now be a oh, storyline. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll hear uh, Anson Carter and Patrick Sharp talk about it now for, for the next <laughs> few days. But, um, yeah. 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 But, uh, I don't, I just don't really. And and you sure maybe you know we're Islander fans we're homers but I just like we've seen so much worse <laughs> and like you said the Lubo hit like it's just all sorts of we've seen a lot worse from that from Tom Wilson just specifically yeah. that that has gone unpunished so I mean Wilson hits people dirtier in preseason games yeah. let alone the playoffs like you know so I, I just I, I find the whole thing extremely off putting. Like it's just, you know, and then the other thing too, that drives me kind of crazy. And this, this is just my Islanders fan paranoia acting up, but like the people that are doing the complaining, they don't know Anders Lee from a hole in the wall. Like if you showed them a picture of Anders Lee, they couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup, you know? And so all of a sudden he becomes like the league's biggest headhunter. It's like, dude, how many Caps fans even knew Anders Lee was the captain of the Islanders before the game today? Like, and they saw him sitting in a penalty box with a C on his chest. Like they don't know this guy. And so now to make him out to be some kind of like headhunting psychotic guy who was, you know, gutting for Nick Backstrom is preposterous. Like, it's just the whole thing is ridiculous. And I, I just hate I hate shit like this. You know, like, it's just, you know, maybe maybe there's an argument that like, yeah, if I was, you know, I'm an Islanders fan, I'm not going to think Lee's doing a thing. But again, he was punished. Like if he, you know, exactly. I probably would have said if he hadn't been given a penalty he hadn't fought anybody like it would be it would be different but like he did all of those things in fact he had two fights and he lost them both so like you know or maybe the carlson one was a draw but uh it the whole thing is just very very off-putting and i just i, I don't like it and i expect honestly i have a lot of respect for that organization and i just it, it bothers me it really does it's just you know i think you said I, I, I was 
So you think you th- you said last week you 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 kind of uh, categorized them very well as a franchise and as a team, which is they're like half hateable and half very lovable. Like it's it's hard <laughs> it's hard to hate Nick Backstrom. It's pretty hard to hate Alex Ovechkin at this point. When you're playing against him, it's a little different. But like right. Alex Ovechkin as a as a as a whole, like we were all rooting for him to win a Stanley Cup. Like it was when the Islanders mm-hmm. were out. Like it's not. And then uh, you know you got like you said you got guys like Tom Wilson and and Hathaway and those guys who. Just even John Carlson to a little bit, like for some reason, I do not like him, but uh, like there's just, it's like very, very half and half with them. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I wish it didn't happen to Backstrom is the right way to put it. I wish, yeah, it didn't I guess happen to, you know, yeah. you, you, we try not to wish injury on anyone, but if that kind of hit found Tom Wilson, it would have been a little bit easier to take than, than Nick Backstrom. Yeah. Hathaway had a, had a bit of a quiet game. Um, I was kind of, I didn't remember seeing him out there too often, which is weird for him. So I'm sure he's going to make his presence felt uh, in the uh, the next game. So, which again is Friday at eight. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, it could have gone smoother, could have been cleaner, I suppose. Uh, could have been a little bit less frustrating. But at the end of the day, the Islanders are up one nothing, and that's pretty much uh, where you hope that they would be. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in game two uh, and uh, see what the Caps have in store. I'm sure they're going to, I don't know put some some goon in or whatever like maybe ross johnson comes in i don't think so i doubt he's gonna come in but the islanders have enough going on <laughs> already they have enough muscle in the lineup i think uh we're gonna take a short break when we come back uh we'll talk about some other goings on around the league the lottery leafs again promise we'll make it quick uh and uh you know what, what else whatever else is happening all these damn overtime games what what to make of them so it's uh, it's fun when your team is not involved i guess is what my my stance will be but uh we'll be back in a couple minutes all right thanks i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, New England Whalers, uh, Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, all kinds of cool stuff, Capital District Islanders. You can get that all at VintageIceHockey.com. You can also get our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor T-shirt, and our entire portion of that goes to the Center for Dementia Research. So you can get a cool shirt, you can make a donation, and you can save some money by putting in Lighthouse 15 into the uh, discount code box and save yourself 15%. VintageIceHockey.com. Okay, so what else is going on? A lot. Uh, playoff games going overtime, all kinds of crazy stuff. But let's start with the lottery, uh, which unfortunately went the way of the New York Rangers, which means they have the first overall pick. 
which means they have the first chance at taking Alexis Lafreniere. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we anticipated this happening the entire time, and now it has happened. And so there you go. Um, you know, is he going to become – I saw the, the, the headline at The Athletic was, he's going to become the new face of the New York Rangers. Yeah, okay, sure. I'm sure he is. Somebody tell Artemi Panarin that his face is no longer needed on the Rangers. Here's a new face. And I guess tell Henrik Lundqvist that his face is definitely over. We don't need his face anymore on the New York Rangers. Um, you know, I, I I try and remember at these times that, again, we've seen first overall picks and, and higher picks, you know, claim that people claim that these guys are going to change franchises and they come in, they're okay players and the franchise is still the same. Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, Nolan Patrick, um, Capo Caco. Like, first of all, all these guys end up in the Metro division, which is completely incredibly annoying. Trust me. Um, but you know, I mean, they're still rookies like, yeah, maybe he has a huge impact, but I mean, the Rangers are already a pretty good offensive club. I mean, they, as we've talked about, they need defense and, and uh, you know, team-wide defense on, on the whole. So uh, it's going to be a big deal. But again, you know, they're rookies. Like, things happen. Now Yakupov was supposed to be great, and he was good for a half season, and then he was never heard from again. So we'll have to see what happens. But it is just still annoying watching this whole thing unfold, especially in the way that it did. And it's just like, man, can't win. We just can't <laughs> win these, you know? <laughs> I, I I don't know if it was just a hangover from being so happy about the way that the Leafs went out still. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> I was not as mad as I thought because you, you, you nailed it. Like we've talked, sorry, Elvis is climbing all over me, but we've yeah. talked a lot about the, the, the fact that we knew this was coming. So I was first of all prepared for it. And the Rangers, they, they need defense. Like this, unless this guy is going to play, um, you know, as a left-handed defenseman, I, I, he, he doesn't make, he doesn't, he makes them better, but he doesn't make them, you know, the, the, the lightning or the Bruins. So, I'm not like I'm not I'm just not ter- as terrified as I thought I would be if you told me that the Rangers were going to get this guy, you know, <laughs> 4 months ago. Um yeah. You know like and also just the way it unfolded was hysterical the the lottery the Rangers lottery ball cuz you you like to think that Islander look Islander fans I think hate the Rangers probably more than any other fan base. The Devils are probably close second. Um but everybody was expecting the same thing. Like there were jokes from that every part of the hockey world about the Rangers, you know, this thing being rigged for the Rangers. And then the, uh, the masked guy who uh, was mm. doing the ping pong balls drops the Rangers lottery ball. And it just happens to thud, you know, right, right into the, into the machine. So like just the, 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 the kind of ridiculousness of it too was great. Like there's, I'm pissed, I'm scared, but I'm not as it, there was just, it, it gives us a reason to like even lean into those, NHL loves the Rangers conspiracy theories even more, which we love. And you know, there's just a lot. There's like a lot more to it than just you know they they're gonna get a great player. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be great now. And uh, like you said, the uh, the Metro Division. I just don't know yeah. how everybody ends up here, but um, the the, <laughs> the like just the the texts I got from from people like. You, you know, we obviously both know a lot of Ranger fans and we both know a lot of Islander fans and, and just the different texts. It's just like you get one text from someone who's like, of course. And then the next one was just yeah. like, oh, let's fucking LOL, go. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is great. Like, and uh, so it was just that we've been talking about how well the Rangers have, I mean, the NHL has been doing like with this, this whole um, return to play. And I include the lottery in, in that, like, cause it was incredibly entertaining. Like it, 
they didn't mm. drag it out, which I thought they were going to. That was cool. Yeah. I yeah like like that it was too. just like a boom thing like that. It was great. Um, terrible result, but it was great. It's like drama. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to poke my Ranger fan friends about like, all right, like, let's see what they're going to do. Like with getting a defenseman. Cause they got, they're in, they're going to be in some cap trouble with, with the Kreider deal looks bad. is going to look bad. The Jacob Truba deal is going to look bad. Like they're, they're not at, it, having more assets obviously makes it easier because you can trade, uh, you know, another young player to get a bad contract off the books or something. But um, it's not like a foregone conclusion that this team is just going to you know, continue this rapid rebuild that everyone's, I love that, that uh, what's his name, Jeff Gordon or Dave Gordon, whatever his name is, the GM. He's getting, he's getting all this credit for this crazy fast rebuild. Like, dude, you had one college free agent who was really good or first round pick, not even, he wasn't a free agent. A first round pick beg his way off another team to 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 get to you. Like it's not it, it's not nothing he's doing. It's just that the Rangers are a very easy sell. Like it, Artemi Panarin picked you guys over the other team over the Islanders. essentially yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's just like it's not it's nothing he did. It's like this, these the rest of the the way it's set up is 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 very uh, kind to teams like the Rangers. So uh, it's it that 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 stuff's pissing me off more than anything. Like and this is another thing. Like they got the second overall pick last year and then they get the first overall pick this year it's not jeff gordon and and rangers the rangers <laughs> brass doing an amazing job they keep talking about this letter too like yeah can you imagine what what these people were thinking when that letter went out like that you were told them you know 16 months later that they'd have capo caco and alexis lafreniere and artemi panarin they would have bought season tickets with that letter in february 2018 like just shut the f- up you know <laughs> i don't want to hear about the letter anymore yeah i know it, it yeah there's so much you know, I mean, yeah, rebuilds are ask Buffalo how their rebuild is going. And they had a first, you know, they had a second overall pick, too. I mean, it's just not going that the same way. And it's there's so much luck involved. But, yeah, I mean, Panarin basically just decided he was going to sign there immediately. Like, I, I'm not going to. And I don't think otherwise. Again, we've talked about him as quote unquote flirtation with the Islanders, which is nothing but some kind of money grab from the Rangers, but yeah, the Adam Fox thing, um, you know, I, it's a little bit ridiculous that, you know, and they haven't done anything yet. So we'll have to wait and see how it actually turns out. But you know, the, the, my reaction to the thing, the lottery, first of all, was I felt bad as an Islanders fan, but then immediately I was awash in uh, sort of emp- uh, empathetic, uh, I don't know what the word is like I, I sympathy with for fans of the wild or the predators or the Panthers. Like these guys were in the lottery too. And nobody talked about them. Nobody talked about them. This is like, we just said another super high pick that ends up in the same division with all the other super high picks that have all happened in the last couple of years. And it's like, you know, what are the Panthers got to do to get a first overall pick? Like what are the wild got to do? And I get like, this is why there's, there's a conspiracy theory about the league you know, rigging the thing for the Rangers because they don't want the league would not want it. It's only apparently let's talk about it, nobody's talking about anything. Lafreniere is the only person anybody's talking about in this draft. So is it just him? Is he the only draft pick and everybody else just gets to go home? Like, I don't understand. Uh, there's other guys obviously, but he's the only one we're talking about. Is that, is that the way it is? So they can't have him end up in Minnesota. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like it, this is, and this is the thing too, like, and this will transition us to talking about the Leafs and, and their elimination. Like, there was a lot of tweets about like, oh my God, Sidney Crosby and, and Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and John Tavares are all out of the league, you know, the playoffs. Now this isn't what the league wanted. Well, maybe if the league chose to, you know, highlight more than a dozen players every 10 years, they wouldn't have this problem. 
Like maybe if you had guys, good players that were highlighted on more teams, you wouldn't need to worry about, you know, Connor McDavid being bounced from the playoffs early. And so that's the thing to me. Like if I'm a Minnesota wild fan, yeah, I'm an, as an Islanders fan, I'm pissed off that the Islanders got this guy. But like, if I'm a Minnesota wild fan, like, dude, you know, why doesn't my team get to have good players? Like, I don't understand, you know, if I'm a Florida Panthers fan, like that's a huge deal. Like you couldn't really use that guy. So, uh, you know, I felt bad for them more, more so than I felt bad for us. And, uh, I just, you know, it is what it is, but, um, it's just weird that it's not weird. It's, 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 um, I guess appropriate that when, when people were, every time people mentioned the lottery and and yes, it's because these teams are good and have a lot of star players already. It was like, wow, there's a 50% chance that the Penguins leaves Rangers or uh, whoever else get, get uh, Lafreniere. Like, and anytime someone was like, anytime they brought up the Jets or the Panthers or the Predators, it was basically like, or wild. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if this happened? And it was like, nah, well, it's not going to happen. And and everybody, and you kind of knew in the back of your head, that was true. Like it was just never going to happen. And so that must be kind of heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for them. Like, I feel point. bad for them in Winnipeg. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so like we said, you know, that the, the Leafs were one of those teams in, in the lottery because they lost game five to the Columbus Blue Jackets by a score of 3 nothing, And uh, I couldn't have been happier, honestly. And it was the exact um, outcome that I know a lot of us were hoping for. And Eunice Corpusallo, who, again, you know, with his five overtime, made 70 something saves for an NHL record in his five overtime game against Tampa Bay. Um, he just shut the leaves down and they just couldn't get anything going. And I'm shocked that people are still shocked that an all offense team can be shut down by a team that knows how to play team wide defense. It just cracks me up. Like, oh, I can't believe. Can you believe that this team with all this firepower couldn't get anything going against this, you know, light scoring defensive unit? Yes, I can believe that. It happens all the time in every sport. Like, it just happens all the time, all the time. And then, of course, the inevitable thing is, well, who are the Leafs going to bring in? What defensemen could they bring in to, to you know, help them play defense? Dude, you can't just airdrop two defensemen onto this team and expect them to turn everything around. You got to play team-wide defense. That is what the Blue Jackets did. Every player. And every player plays defense from the top line to the bottom line. How did the Kings win two Stanley Cups? They had they had guys that played they had a whole team to play defense. Like how did the Blues do? How did the Blackhawks do? They had whole teams of guys that knew what they were doing on the both ends of the ice. You can't have a team that only plays on one end of the ice. That is the end of the story, and that's why the Leafs are home. And John Tavares, of course, says today it starts with him because it always <laughs> starts with him. That's his only quote. It starts with me. Okay, well it starts with you. You you blew it. Uh, there you go. It was like I I just remember feeling on Friday when they blew that lead. The, the blue jackets mm. like and just watching leafs leafs twitter and the fact that so many people had to go back and delete tweets making fun of the leafs like um <laughs> it, it just was a terrible night it really was and and the only thing i was just thinking like you know what there's still a chance that they blow this and it, this this will even become sweeter and it did and and it really like i just i was so happy like i that when um i guess uh who was it? Boone, Boone Jen. whoever scored, whoever scored that that last goal of that game, and uh, and you just they immediately panned to Jason Spezza, who became a hero all of a sudden. Like they were like, well, Spezza gave his all. Like if if the Leafs had more Jason Spezzas, like they would, uh, they would be a much better team. Yeah, you're you're kind of right. Like <laughs> if they did have more players who who played a 200 foot game. If you watch the the second goal, the um, Liam Foodie goal, uh, where it was like a sharp angle on Anderson. Uh, someone dumps his the puck in, 
and all of a sudden, all right, yeah, there's yeah. nobody around. Like it's Martin mm. Marinson and Liam Foody, and he, there's not another leaf for like four seconds. And I'm not even, you know, exaggerating. Like if you go watch that goal, it's it's it looks like hockey is played one on one with a goalie. And you're like, oh well, you want to know why like the Shanna plan isn't working? It's because there's four other players on this hockey team that aren't where they're supposed to be right now. And it was a bad goal to give up. Sure. But don't you think Frederick Anderson's like, probably like, well, I got to cover three other spots right now because there's nobody else back. And uh, it was, it was, you know, the type of goal that you want, I want to watch over and over and over again um, (laughs) because just of how, you know, perfect it was. And the, the Leafs obituaries were (laughs) like, they they hit all the right notes too. It was, You had Sheldon Keefe complaining about the their five on five shooting percentage being two percent, <laughs> being like, "Well, we could have planned for a two percent five on five shooting percentage." Like, well, you know, sorry, like it's not like every other team in the NHL has to deal with goaltending too. Like, you, right. there there's a goalie in every game. Like, some you got to beat them. Uh, don't I don't know where you know some hot goalies happen. That's how teams win Stanley Cups. Is a goalie gets hot. Uh, so. Your goalie and like their goalie didn't like there was and then uh, the great stuff then then it even got better with like okay so we're gonna have to, the core uh, are we trading Marner you know there are people saying like oh well we, we should trade Tavares like it, it, it yeah on July first twenty eighteen in in the back of all our minds was like you know he's going to this place which is a hockey bubble and you really hope the best case scenario is that obviously he doesn't win a cup the drought continues and by like year two they're sick of this guy's contract. And I wouldn't say we're there yet, but we're we're closer than I thought we actually would be realistically. Like we're, we're people are getting frustrated, not just because of it's not him, but it's just more like the makeup of the team being that oh you're going to pay it, everybody else is doing things differently except for the Leafs who are paying four of their players like half their salary cap, and everyone's like oh, I don't I don't think that'll work. And then of course you got the you know the uh, the Leafs wing of the Athletic saying, "Well, this is you know they're they're looking at it a different way. This is the Dubas the Kyle Dubas method is you pay for for your top players, you get as much talent as you can under the cap, and then you fill fill spots in by making brilliant trades like trading Nazem Kadri for Tyson Barry. Like like, <laughs> like yeah, that's it, it's just yeah. it's 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 crazy how these like if if the Islanders had construct or or if the you know the Ducks constructed their team like this. Everybody would just be talking about how the Ducks are, in, are going to be in cap hell. They need to figure out a way to to spread their wealth around. But since it's the Leafs and it's Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, like it's it's still it's it's this is just year two of the plan. So yeah, they didn't take the well, step I mean, forward yet, but they will. But that did sort of happen. It happened a little bit with the Ducks when they signed Perry and Getzlaff to those big contracts. It wasn't quite because they were still pretty good at the time. But I remember there being a lot of like. Is this smart? Like, is it really smart to give these two guys, you know, like whatever it was, ten million each or something like that? And then it ha- it really happened though with Parisi and Suter. It, like when that when those two deals were signed, immediately everybody was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life." Like they signed these two guys who were both very good to contracts that were way too long for way too much money. And then the owner was crying about it, basically, and then ended up getting a lot. We ended up getting lockout because of it, you know. And it's so they kind of gave that, but now with the Leafs, it's okay. Like that's okay to have three guys making thirty-five million dollars. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, 
you know, in fairness to Tavares, I know those those are words that a lot of people listening don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> fortunately, according to our stats, most people stop listening after we start talking about the rest of the league. So there's probably much less people listening to this right now than there were in the first half of the episode. But uh, the in fairness to Tavares, um, he had a very good series. Like he played pretty well. So the anger is not really quite targeted to him. Uh, Mitch Marner is getting a lot of it. Um, Cody Cece is getting a lot of it, so it'll be great if the Leafs re-sign him because people seem to really hate him. <laughs> um, and you know the Kadri trade, the Barry did not work out. Frederick Anderson did not work out. Frederick Anderson's getting a lot of it. He's got another year left on his deal. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's very weird that this team that has you know previously been anointed one of the best in the league just continuously and it's the same with the penguins too like oh my god they got shut down by an all defensive islanders team and then they got shut down by an all defensive montreal team yeah that happens it happens and if you don't get your game going you're in trouble and that's just how it is so you better be ready for it and you know some of them just they don't want to learn so they'll figure it out eventually but but until they do yeah it's fun to watch (laughs) and and enjoy it's it's hard not to enjoy too because of like the the amount of um you know, hockey Twitter people and, and lease writers that will just, they will go down swinging with this ship. Like they, you know, if the day that Kyle Dubas, like if they say, you know what, we're pulling the plug on this guy. Like I'm, I might take a three day vacation and just search Twitter for the rest <laughs> for, for 72 hours or something, just to, yeah. to hear people say like, you know, he, he did his best and it's just, there's no, it's not his fault. Just stuff like that because it's, uh, it's, as much as much as disdain as I have uh, for Tavares for uh, for for doing what he did, like it it there, it's not too much further down the ladder for for Kyle, Kyle Dubas and and Brenda Shanahan who who's just been you know a pain in the Islanders' ass for forever. Like so, it's not not too surprising that Shanahan's up there, but just because of the way that these two guys are treated by uh, by the greater hockey media, and I I. I'm really excited, and it's it's not just for the Leafs. Like I'm excited for that this off season because I think it's going to be chaotic across the board. But there are some teams that, like you said, the Penguins and the Rangers and and the Leafs. Like they could, sure. Like the window is still open for all those teams, definitely. But they're like one bad move away. All three of them are one bad move away from shooting themselves in the foot and, and sending themselves back a little bit. So, yeah, you just hope that that happens. Yeah, Jim Rutherford had a lot of pointed words for the Penguins after their loss uh, to Montreal, but he had a lot of pointed words for their loss after the Islanders too, <laughs> and then they went up and lost the Habs. So uh, he's going to keep on talking. But I think you know uh, Justin Schultz is a UFA. He's probably gone. He had a terrible series. Uh, Jack Johnson probably isn't gone because he's still hanging around. I still think Evgeny Malkin's going to be gone, although Rutherford said he wouldn't be. I don't know. I don't buy that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it you know. I feel like a lot of changes could get made this summer, generally speaking, over the course over the the entirety of the league because of the salary cap issues. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, you got to find takers. Like, it takes two to make these trades, and I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, if uh, the Leafs are willing to give up William Nylander, the Islanders do have a surplus of defensemen that uh, they can trade them that uh, won't change their team one bit. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take him. He's, he's another guy who seems to get a lot of hate from, from Leafs fans, even though he just scored a 30 goal, had a 30 goal season for some reason. Um, yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, finally the uh, lightning and blue jackets had a five overtime game that crossed the surreal point somewhere around the midpoint of the second or third overtime. I would say uh, I was watching it. 
on my phone. I was at work. I'm, a, I'm working from home like a lot of people. I had it on my phone. I figured I'd watch the first period or two here. Uh, the game was still going on. Watch the third period on my laptop. Watch fourth period, you know, overtime, first overtime, second. And then at that point, uh, it was like nine o'clock. And I told my wife and my daughter, I'm like, I am not turning this game off. I have been watching this game for four something hours or whatever. No, actually, it was five hours at that point. I am not turning this game off. This is like history now. And I need to see how this turns out. And it turned out with on off the point of Braden, off the stick of Braden Point, which is a pretty remarkable uh, goal in and of itself. And uh, kind of a heartbreaker for Columbus. But, uh, you know, hopefully they come back. Seth Jones played over an hour of ice time in that game, which is insane. And he was still good. Like, it wasn't like he was running out of gas. He was still good an hour into that game of ice time. And it's just that that was one of the most remarkable things. And I was telling my daughter about the five overtime Penguins Flyers game. I remember watching 20 years ago <laughs> and uh, that just got, went on and on. And I went to work the next day, bleary eyed. And my boss, who was Jamaican, looked at me and he went, Bubby, you watched that whole overtime game, didn't you, last night? And I said, yes, I did. He said, five overtimes. I'm like, yes, all five overtimes. He, You're crazy. I said, yes, I am crazy. But <laughs> but uh, I remember it. I remember it to this day, 20 years later. So, yeah. So it was pretty cool. When those games are not involving your team, they're fun. Like, I just I kept thinking that, too, and checking in with my Lightning fan friends. Like, hey, man, hang in there. But if that was me, I would have been a nervous wreck. Like, I just couldn't. I can't take it. That, yeah, that, that was... <laughs> I I just I not to make everything you know how does this impact the Leafs but uh before the series like there was a couple people talking a couple Leafs people like well I can't wait for Jonas Eunice Corpusala to like let in like the first three goals he sees tonight and then as soon as that happened I was just like let's see if they you know they said you know what oh he was good again like let's mm. but they of course they didn't and, and John Cooper didn't say you know if if if, if we shot better than 0.6 percent at five on five this game would have been over a long time ago no, of course not. But uh, the that game was just oh, wow. I had I had a bet on the Blue Jackets, and there's there comes a point in a game like that where you just forget about it. And you're just like, I'm just gonna put that aside and just enjoy it. And and you did. And and Seth Jones, like I remember watching Boone Jenner, and and weirdly Patrick Sharp said the same thing. Um, who I actually th- I think Patrick Sharp's been pretty good, and and I don't remember ever thinking he's been great in the in like in the in his role in intermission, but he's been a lot better. Um, or he's been enjoyable through this thing. And I think that kind of most, most of these um, uh, analysts have been good. I think, uh, I think NBC has been doing a really good job. The NHL has been doing a really Except good job. Except for one. Yes. Yeah. We'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to the, we'll get to him, but uh, there's, there's uh, he said the same thing about Boone Jenner. Cause I just remember every time Boone Jenner was on the ice, you just heard his name, even in, you know, overtime sick of five or whatever. Uh, it was, that was crazy stuff, man. And, and like you said, yeah, the one, the one, downside of it was that mike milbury was calling the game it was basically like pleading for it to God. end <laughs> <laughs> never i've never heard like i mean hockey twitter is about is a lot of different people and there's people that you don't agree with and people that don't root for your team i mean what i can't even be on it during islanders games a because i watch the games on the computer most of the time and so the delay is like five minutes so i don't want to see a goal i don't want to read about a goal five minutes before i see it but also because like i just can't stand people that are ostensibly my friends shitting on my team for four hours like i just can't do it you know i, I get that nobody respects the islanders nobody likes the islanders i don't need to hear about it while i'm trying to watch a game but one thing 
I've never seen people universally come together over one thing before. And it was when Mike Milbury was like, they need to do something about these overtimes. They need to eventually go to a shootout or something like that. And immediately the whole world just went, no, you cannot do that. I mean, this guy, this guy played in the seventies, man. Like when there was these games, I mean, what is he thinking? He's just crazy. Arthur Staple had a great tweet about, you know, everybody else here is like, oh, this is, overtimes are great. And Mike Milbury's like, hey, how about a three-legged race? Get this thing over with. Like, no, it's just like, you can't do, I'm sorry you have someplace to go. What do you, where do you have to go? You're in Toronto. You can't go anywhere. And then, you know, today he had another double overtime game. So I just hope that it was some sort of like karmic torture for him, like a Twilight Zone episode. He's like, I can't believe this is going on again, but he's the worst. He really is. I just, you know, he, it's, it's so, you can hear in his voice when you watch a game with him, listen to the way he, he tries to compliment people for good play. He it's clearly very difficult for him because his, the, the, his vocabulary just for complimenting people just isn't there. And he's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's a pretty good play right there by a pretty good player. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> just, you know, you can, you can be happy. You can enjoy the game. It's okay. It's okay. You're allowed to enjoy the game. That's what people want. And I know you you were saying it last week, and now I kind of I, I'm I, I see where you're talking about, like with Pierre Maguire. Like we all hate Pierre, but man, his his enthusiasm for the game is second to none. He's like the anti Milbury. Right. Like, yeah. One guy loves the game to the point where it's almost like unhealthy, and the other guy is getting paid for it, and he looks like he can't even stand it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the 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 Milbury moment I'll, I won't forget from this playoffs was in game that game in the game four of the Blue Jackets and Leafs and Gus and Nyquist had a chance to like basically ice it um, and score their fourth goal in an empty net and he didn't get the puck deep and Milbury it, it sounded like Milbury was going to bench him he was like oh you gotta get that puck deep you gotta like this is just crazy and I remember at the time because it was three nothing being like why is he lo- he lost his mind and then when the Leafs came back I was like I cannot believe that Mike Milbury was right about this and is going to just remind us and but luckily he's too inept to even remember so like yeah. it, it was it wasn't it wasn't too bad um and you I, you just wonder what like because i i really like gordon miller uh, and i know i know you're not his biggest fan but nah. um i like gordon miller as a as a play-by-play guy because he he's more more so than than like the other national guys like he's he he, he has these like this weird um you know he, he remembered the viznoski hit right away and he uh, talked about how uh, Pelik and Pollock, and he was talking about well, it's not nothing compared to when they had McDonald, McDonald, Strait, Strait, Nielsen, Nielsen, and Nelson. And I was like, wow, that's like a not only that's like that's not saying that you know Anders Lee made his playoff debut against the Capitals. That was like that's like a deep track. So I, I appreciate that <laughs> about Gordon Miller, and I just wonder what's going through a guy like his mind when he's calling a game with Blake Milbury, who's like arguably and not even arguably at this point probably the least respected mm. hockey mind that is on tv at this point like the, the, you can't and and you said it right it's it's the thing that kind of unifies hockey twitter mm. there are two people that can bring twitter together and it's in hatred and it's bill de blasio and it's and it's mike milbury like those two guys have no fans and uh I, it's just I can't I just don't understand how the, the the network must they must make money off of just like engagement of like his name being said like there's got to be something right like because they know like they well like you know I do have to correct one thing not only is Milbury not respected as a broadcaster but he's also not respected as a tweeter because he tweeted that night about something and he and he mentioned the space needle and 
a people dunked on him because he was still stumping for the uh, shootout in the playoffs, and b they were dunking on him because that Space Needle was not the Space Needle. That was CN Tower. Space Needle's in Seattle, and the CN Tower is in Toronto, where Mike Milbury is. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a real banner week for old my Mad Mike. And uh, we haven't even talked about his Islanders tenure. So, but it's we've 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 gone on long enough on this guy, and we've got another I don't know three or four weeks of of him in the booth. I guess so just just bring Brian Boucher into the booth, get him out of the glass, just let him or let Boucher and and Miller and Forsland do their thing. We, we we really seriously we don't need Milbury. It's fine. I promise you. If anybody from NBC Sports is listening to this, which I'm sure they're not. Uh, okay, so um, like I said, game uh, game two against the Islanders and Caps is Friday at eight. Uh, but barring a five overtime game uh, before it, uh, you know, we got to see. Hopefully the Islanders can match the Caps intensity because they're going to be pretty angry. Uh, make sure to check out Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. We had a, a cool article from our friend Spiz uh, about the Panthers series. You go back if you haven't already listened to. Uh, we had uh, Isles Buzz. Uh, Nolan Dan had Arthur Staple on. We had an episode of PT Isles with Joe and Rob Taub. You could listen to that. And, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of time between the next game, so you could check it out. And uh, we'll be back probably Sunday night. Um, we'll, we'll do an episode after game three and uh, see where the Islanders are at that point. And you can follow Mike at Twitter at – what's your handle again? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Big Lebowski. You can get his betting advice from him as well via the Action Network. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, I'm sure I'll, I've spent most of my week dunking on Mike Milbury. So if you if you want to read more of those, by all means, follow all of us on Twitter because that's what we love to do yeah. more than anything else. But, uh, yeah, so – uh that's it anything else it, it i will say like it is funny that he's on twitter like and and, and i yeah. give him a little bit of credit for doing it um yeah. you know because we talk about p i don't I, I think it's amazing that pierre somehow is not but uh they're, they're probably got a like a burner account somewhere yeah. you know yeah exactly but but um yeah it's it I, it's been fun like it's been so much this this whole even like the millberry stuff adds to it like it's just been so weird and so fun um so mm. far and we we are definitely like the first people to kind of criticize. I mean, all hockey fans are the NHL for like keeping things kind of you know conservative or not taking chances and being too worried about being made fun of. But they are really just this thing is just it gets better every day. Like this this tournament. So and and I'm not just talking about the play. Like it's just like like the Millberry stuff. Like there's something that happens every day that just makes it even more fun and it's adding to this thing. It, it has been the Leafs and Rangers got eliminated either. <laughs> it has been surprisingly fun for an NHL product. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's just the summertime. It's exciting. It's just nice to have this going on for a distraction in the summertime, and you can sit inside in the air conditioning and enjoy it. Uh, and hopefully, we all enjoy Game Two. So uh, we'll talk to you after Game Three on Sunday, and uh, we'll see where we're at. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.